0: Today's reading is taken from Galatians chapter 6 verses 11 to 18. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised, that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks very much. Um, we
1: are coming to an end um, to the Galatians series. And uh, just as a warning, I'm going to, because it's a summary, um, I'm going to repeat a lot of things that you've heard in the past. So um, I hope that it's still a good way of uh, tying the loose ends and making sense of the entire letter to the Galatians. But if you can keep your Bibles open, we'll go from here to there um, quite often. So um, uh, please do keep it open, and let's pray that God will speak to us uh, through this text. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks uh, that the gospel has come, and we are freed. And we pray that that freedom is something that we will understand more, that we'll be convicted more, that we will live our lives in freedom uh, for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 78 years ago, on February 13th, 1938, John Stott became a Christian. Earlier that day, Reverend Eric Nash came to that famous school, Rugby School, and asked all the boys who had gathered there, did you, did you invite Christ to come into your heart? Later that night, John Stott, even though he actually felt at at first that he was baptized and he was confirmed within the Church of England, he thought maybe I was a Christian already, but he realized that he had kept Jesus at an arm's length. And so on that night, he knelt beside the the bed and asked uh, Christ to come into his heart. And this is what he wrote. He made an experiment of faith, opened the door to Christ. I saw no flash of lightning. In fact, I had no emotional experience at all. I just crept into bed and went to sleep. For weeks afterwards, even months, I was unsure what had happened to me. But gradually I grew, as the diary I was writing at the time time makes it clear, into a clearer understanding and a firmer assurance of salvation and the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, I see many new faces here. If you are new to, the, to this church, I just want you to know this will be many times one of many that I will mention, John Stott. It's because John Stott became one of the most influential Christians of the past century, in the 20th century, writing many books, not just that having a global ministry um, uh, through Langham Partnership. Uh, at one point, he was dubbed uh, by New York Times columnist uh, David Brooks. If uh, uh, evangelicals uh, were to elect a pope, it would be John Stott. But on that night of conversion, actually, nothing happened. He felt no different. He said that he was even unsure of what happened. But the thing is, I can tell you what happened that night. Because what happened to him when he knelt beside the bed and asked Christ to come into your heart, come into his heart, is what happens to all of us as we invite Christ to come into our hearts, as we give our lives to Christ. What, we, what happens that day is that we become a new creation. We are freed um, from our sinful nature. We receive the Holy Spirit and His power, and we become a people who live by a different rule than the rest of the world. Although Stutt didn't have an emotional experience, he later—that I mean—he wrote there that he became more and more assured of his salvation, and that's not once again because he had some emotional experience. It's because he understood the gospel very well. As he understood the gospel more and more, he became more and more sure of his salvation, and it's no surprise actually that um, he wrote uh, uh, the commentary on Galatians, and so much of that shaped his uh, life as well. At the end of this letter, Galatians, um, Paul goes back uh, to the gospel and to the, uh, to the issue that brought him to, prompted him to write uh, this letter. Uh, take a look at verse 11. So in those days, um, these uh, letters were dictated uh, to a scribe, and professional scribes uh, uh, wrote them down. But at this point, uh, Paul takes the pen himself, And he says, See what large letters I use as I write uh, to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. As he signs off, he goes back to the issue of circumcision and our relationship then to the law overall. He said that throughout the letter, that actually circumcision, uncircumcision—that's not what matters because we have been freed from the Mosaic law. We no longer have to keep. We no longer have to keep to the letters of the law. As long as we are under the law, Paul has said that we are actually enslaved, enslaved to the law and to our sinful nature. And I'm sure you know the feeling, and I'm sure uh, you've heard about Martin Luther. I've quoted him once before. Martin Luther was tied to the law. He wanted to please God by doing the right things. He often fasted for three days um, uh, without eating anything. Um, and he says, uh, the, the biographer, Roland Bainton, we have a great biography of Martin Luther in the bookstore called Here I Stand. To t- take a copy if you want to read more about Luther's life. But he says that the seasons of fasting were more consoling to him than those of feasting. Lent was more com- comforting than Easter. I mean, think about that. Season of Lent, a time of... Self-discipline was more comforting to him because he was focused on the law. He was trying to do the right things, and that was more consoling to him than Easter when Jesus rose again from the dead. He laid upon himself vigils and prayers in excess of those, spirit, uh, those stipulated by the rule. He cast off the blankets permitted him, and well-nigh froze himself to death. At times he was proud of his sanctity and say, "I have done nothing wrong today." then misgivings would arise. Have you fasted enough? Are you poor enough? Luther said himself, I was a good monk, and I kept the rule of my order so strictly that I may say that if ever a monk got into heaven by his monkery, it was I. If I had kept on any longer, I should have killed myself with vigils, prayers, reading, and other works. This is a problem with the law, if you tie yourself to the law, when is it ever enough? When have you fulfilled the law so strictly that you can say, I stand without any fault in front of God? The answer is, we can't. It is never enough. Once we start relying on our works, on the law, obedience to the law, the only time when we feel even the brief, of, brief bit of respite is, maybe you have a, a day, Maybe, too, when you think, yeah, actually, I haven't done really anything wrong. But then maybe the pride creeps in, (laughs) or something goes wrong right away. And even uh, we cannot keep the law perfectly. In fact, this is what he points to in verse 13. There, he says, not even those who are circumcised keep the law. You see, the people who are keeping that part of the law, circumcision, Paul's saying even those people cannot keep the whole of the law. They are focusing that one on that one aspect, and he gives the motivation the reason why. It's so that they could boast about the flesh. If so, it's so that they could say, actually, look how many people have become Christian. Look how many circumcisions there are. It's a bit of a, you know, sometimes it's the same reason why we keep track of how many baptisms were done and how many people were converted, gave their lives to Christ. We want to give, we want to boast about these things. But this is not how one becomes a Christian. This is not uh, how the, 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 the real sign of having become a new creation. So throughout the letter... To the Galatians, Paul has said that we are not justified. We are not made right in our relationship with God by what we do, but by faith in Christ, what he has done for us. Even, then he pointed to how, remember, he said, even Abraham, the person who received the covenant of circumcision, even he was justified by uh, by faith in God. Uh, Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness back in chapter 3, verse 16, quoting from Genesis 15. He then told us that law was given to guide us, but not only to guide us, but as the law was given, it guides us, but it also tells us that we cannot keep the law ourselves. It also points to our sinfulness, and he says this was a guide to lead us to Christ because it tells you, as he, it guides you, that you cannot do it by yourself, that somebody has to do it for you. It leads us to Christ. He assured us that Christians are people who are not born by their, uh, their own effort, human effort, by, but by the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham and to others uh, in Jesus Christ. He, said, he told us that we are children of Sarah, not of Hagar not born of a human flesh by our own effort, but by the fulfillment of God's promise to us in Jesus Christ. He has done this for us. We are children of the promise, not by our own human effort. So, and he said, he's said multiple times, that now since you are freed, why do you go back to the, to the law? Why do you go back to slavery? Now, why do you go back to your own efforts? And as we end this series through Galatians, I want you to be sure of this. If you want assurance of salvation, if you want to know for sure that you are saved, do not look at yourself. Do not look at how well you've observed the law, because that is looking at the circumcision. That is looking at the outward things. That is not where assurance comes from. We are children of the promise. We're children of Christ. We are adopted through Christ into his family. Our justification rests on the finished work of Jesus Christ and that alone when we receive our righteousness from him, not by looking at our own righteousness. And the freedom, that freedom from the law, gives us another good news It means that everyone can become part of God's family. For centuries, the law required that people become basically Jews. In order to respond to Yahweh God in faith, the Gentiles or whoever received this message had to become a Jew. They had to be circumcised. They had to refrain from eating certain things. They had to become part of the Jewish community. They had to become a Jew. But Paul says in the new creation, this is not the case because this, the, the new creation includes everyone through faith in Jesus. Take a look at what Paul called Israel by, in his own handwriting. In verse 16, there, 616. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. It's just a small phrase, the Israel of God, but it is a very radical and significant phrase. What he's saying... Is, the, is then Israel of God is no longer made up of people who are Jews, people who have this blood, who go back to Abraham. No, he's saying that we become Israel of God, we become member of the nation of Israel when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. This changes the whole thing. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus This is what it means. Christianity is for all people. This is why this church is possible. People from all nations can become part of not only this family, but the family of Abraham. The family, part of the nation of Israel, through faith in Jesus Christ, were adopted through faith in Christ alone. And you can understand why then the cross was so offensive to the Jews why the Jewish people started persecuting Christians or why they started to require the Christians to become basically a Jew. Because for centuries, this was their privilege. This was something that they could boast about. But now at the foot of the cross, they're just like everybody else. They have to put their faith in Christ Jesus. Religious people also were proud of their self-righteousness because how well they obeyed the law. But they were brought down by the gospel because gospel says you are sinners. Every single one of you, you cannot do this by yourself. Every single one of you need the grace of Jesus Christ. No wonder Paul was persecuted, and the same is true today. Salvation by faith in Christ Jesus means that there is no place... For boasting. There's no place for pride. All stand on the level ground at the foot of the cross. But therefore, all are included to the family of God at the foot of the cross. May we never boast in, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first mark of being a new creation, people that, that, who are born again, is this freedom that we experience, freedom from the law, assurance that comes in knowing that Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law for us and given his righteousness. But this freedom is actually not just uh, about the standing, our standing in front of God. Just just think about the language of creation that is in this text in verse 15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. That's the shorthand for law. It it doesn't matter where you stand on that law. It uh, It doesn't mean anything. What counts, verse 15, is the new creation. He says... When we become a Christian, we become a new being. And once again, I go back to John 3, where Jesus says, you have to be born again. You have to be born again in order to enter uh, the kingdom of God. It means that Christianity is not just something that we do. Christianity is not us saying, I'm going to live my life rightly in front of God, following Jesus. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is as you commit yourself to do that, as you commit yourself to follow Jesus Christ, what happens is God sends the Holy Spirit to each one of us. We become a new creation, not by what we do, but what God does in us. He, he breathes the Spirit in us, and we become a new creation. And that becomes a guarantee of what's to come in a in new creation. In, at the end time, he, he becomes a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. But we have a sense of that. We have that small power in us because of the Spirit. We become a new creation when the Spirit is given. And he's taught us, then the Spirit frees us. So once again, justification happened, but when the Spirit comes, He frees us from our sinful desires towards works of righteousness, towards works that will please the Spirit. And the process is called sanctification. The theologians call sanctification. The, uh, the Spirit will make us more and more like Christ. So this is an important thing, that the gospel gives us both the justification, our standing in front, of, uh, in front of God is assured because of Christ, but sanctification also happens when the Spirit comes into our lives and compels us to become more like Christ. And so when we have become Christians, we find ourselves hating sins that have enslaved us, some sins that we didn't even know were sins before. In fact, uh, after the uh, 930 service, a lady uh, talked to me briefly afterwards and saying that since she has become a Christian, and that was about a year ago, she's, saying, she's, she's, she's told me that she started to hate herself more and more. Um, and this is actually work of the Spirit in that way, that God points us, point, uh, the Spirit points to our sinful nature, and he increases our hatred towards our sin. And our links groups, uh, members have talked about um, uh, taking pens from workplace or um, uh, buying things that are not necessary um, or uh, being ruthless in the workplace. These things that were taken for granted before now becomes unacceptable. It's something that they don't want to do anymore. That's Spirit's work. It points us to our sinful nature, but then it also turns us against flesh, but also towards the, the works of the Spirit. He propels us towards loving others, doing good works, being kind and generous and gentle and self-controlled, all of that, that happens because the Spirit is within us, because we have been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, we're still, what Paul has said carefully, though, is that we're still free to choose still. God has given us these desires. Desires, uh, the f- desires towards the flesh is there. Desires to please the spirit is still there. But we have to choose to sow, to please the spirit. It doesn't mean that we will automatically. Uh, this will automatically happen. The sanctification, our sanctification requires our effort. We need to still walk by the spirit. We need to respond to the prompting of the spirit by following it. But, although not automatic, if we are Christians who have the Spirit, we will do this more and more. And more and more, we will become like Christ. And that's where the real freedom is anyway, becoming more like Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. And if we are a new creation, the Spirit of Christ will produce the fruit of the Spirit. We acknowledge, of course, that we're all work in progress. But there must be a difference in us where the world will follow the desires of the flesh. The people who are spiritual, people who walk by the Spirit, will must walk by the Spirit. There must be a difference between us and the people who are outside, there must be a difference between now and what we were before. So ask honestly, is there, is there an inward desire to follow the Spirit in you? Is there in you a hatred towards sin? Do I really want to become more like Christ? And as we follow the Spirit, ask yourself, Do I feel more free as I do this? Because it should, because that is our now new nature. Do I feel more free as I become more like Christ, or do I feel like still things are, um, I'm I'm not myself? And is the fruit of the Spirit growing in my life, not just the ones that you are naturally, um, but the ones that you are not naturally? Patient, for me that's um, self-control, anger. Here's the thing. Justification happens by faith in Jesus Christ, and God, God who has justified will sanctify us. But if you don't see any fruit of sanctification, it might be that you're not Christian. You have to ask yourself this serious question about yourself. You might not actually have put your faith in Christ Jesus and went to go follow, uh, decided to follow Him, because when you do, the Spirit comes. You become a new creation. There should be a difference in your life. And if there isn't, you have to ask, am I really saved? John Newton, the writer of the the hymn Amazing Grace, uh, and once a slave trader, um, said, I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I am not what I once used to be. And by the grace of God... I am what I am. Yes, we're not quite all there, but we cannot be the same person if we have the Spirit in us because we are new creation. What then is our relationship to the law? He used uh, many metaphors throughout this uh, Galatians, metaphor of a child and a tutor, Uh, Law is something that enslaves us to our sinful nature. But towards the end of the letter, he speaks um, very positively about a different law, isn't he? The law of the Spirit, the law of Christ. The law of the Spirit is something um, that the people who are a new creation are inclined towards naturally because of the Spirit's work in us. And that law of the Spirit is not about whether... Um, we should eat pork or not or shellfish or not or uh, whether I can work on Sundays and grade papers uh, or whether um, I should tithe or give 12% or whatever it is. That law, all of that law has been replaced by the law of the Spirit that says love God and love our neighbors. That law has replaced the Mosaic law. And as Paul closes um, this letter, he talks about it again. Uh, take a look at verse 15. There, it says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Once again, the law, it, it, it's, that's done. Law as it was, is done. What counts is the new creation. What counts is what God is has done, what God is doing in our lives. Um, and that's what he's doing. And it, it might, it, the new creation doesn't have the word law, But actually, if you remember, if you've been paying attention carefully, or if you're reading through Galatians carefully, you know that he said something like this before, and back in chapter 5. Remember in chapter 5, verse 6, he says something very similar. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Well, which is it? The new creation or faith expressing itself through love? Because he says, only thing that counts. Yeah? But of course, the answer is both. He's saying that if you are a new creation, you will have faith that expresses itself in love. You will love if you have the Spirit. You will love if you are a new creation. That's what he's saying. And later on in that chapter, in chapter 5, verse 14, he summarized the law. Love your neighbors as yourself. Here's what this means, too. That it's easy to think that Christian life is between you and God. It's about my justification, my standing in front of God. Christ has paid for my sins. It's easy to think that it's about my sanctification, my relationship with God. Am I growing more holy like Christ, or am I not becoming holy like Christ? But actually, what he's saying is that faith expressing itself in love means that it's not about just me and God. If we have this faith, we are bound to love others. We are bound to a community of believers and to the world outside to, uh, th- 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 that we love. We are bound to others because we c- uh, come to love others. The outward sign of loving Christ is loving, loving our neighbors. So Christianity is never a solo endeavor. You cannot be a Christian alone because you cannot love alone. And if you love only at your convenience, you know, coming to church and, you know, going away, doing things on your own, that's not being a Christian. That's not love either. That's selfishness, feeling good about myself, doing things on my own time. Loving means taking on, sharing each other's burdens when we don't want to, because God has bound us into a community of people whom we love. And that loving, how hard that is, is what verse 17 is about. There have been lots of uh, debates and myths about this verse where Paul says, Let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. You might actually even know the uh, Greek word for marks um, here because that word is stigmata. Stigmata. And you might have heard legends about things like this. St. Francis of Assisi is supposed to have had stigmata, or the signs of the cross appear on his body, physical body, so signs of crucifixion, the nails and, um, and the feet, um, crowns of uh, thorns, appear on, on his body. During the Holy Week in Philippines, there are many who also seek the signs of the cross. They flagellate themselves, or I know that there are people who actually even get crucified. This happened this past year, even. This, of course, is all nonsense. Paul's not talking about any physical signs of the crucifixion appearing in our bodies. The marks of Jesus that Paul's talking about is the marks that we get while following on the path of the cross, loving others self-sacrificially. That's what he's talking about. Because being a Christian means the Spirit comes in our lives and puts us on that path of the cross to love others selflessly. As he followed Christ, Paul was flogged, received lashes of beating. He was bitten by snakes. He went through hunger and thirst. Um, as Christ was persecuted, Paul was persecuted. As Christ at times had a really uh, tired time, uh, Paul was, uh, grew weary. Just as Christ kept on loving, Paul kept on loving. And he had the marks to show for it. And his opponents in Galatia wanted the marks of Jesus following Jesus to be circumcision. An outward appearance thing, thing that we can tick and say that is done. But Paul is saying that is not the case. Marks of Je- marks of Jesus Christ is a sign of being a new creation, people who are born again who bear this, uh, who love others self-sacrificially and bear the marks to show for it. So if you've had days when you loved others in the community, people around you, and you just were so exhausted and tired, that's what he's talking about. That's the mark of Jesus. If you've been persecuted because you love Christ... Um, And the world persecuted you, persecuted you. That's the, that's the marks of Jesus. If you've thought about quitting children's ministry, youth ministry, um, personal ministry of loving and caring for other people because you were so exhausted, that's the marks that he's talking about. That's the marks of Jesus. If you've forgiven people whom you really, everything in your body says, don't forgive this person, and you forgave them, and you were hurt by that, and you bore bore the cost of that forgiveness, that's the marks of Jesus. It's marks of loving others and following the path of the cross self-sacrificially. That is marks of Jesus Christ. When I read the story of John Stott's conversion, or many other people's conversion like it, I'm constantly struck by how ordinary their stories are. Stott says, you know, he didn't even know what happened to him. And that's true, not just of the moment of conversion. There's a lot of times, most of the times in our lives, nothing extraordinary about our conversion. In fact, there's nothing extraordinary a lot about our Christian life as we live our Christian lives. We kind of go, well, how could it be that I'm a Christian and the Spirit is supposed to be in me, but I'm still a sinner like this? And sometimes we doubt even of our salvation. But here's the assurance through Galatians. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we trusted him with our life, something extraordinary happened. Something unseen, but something extraordinary happened. We have become a new creation. We might not have felt it right away. We might, not even, we might struggle to feel it even now as we walk our Christian life. But if we hold on to Jesus Christ... What this means is that we are freed from the law of sin and death. What this means is that we have the Spirit in us that continues to drive us forward to struggle, to be more and more like Christ. What this means is that the Spirit will compel us to do things that we don't often want to do, of loving others sacrificially. And at times, this will just be really hard. It will take a toll on you, but then be encouraged. In the words of St. Paul, do not be weary of doing good because those marks, that tiredness, those scars that you bear, emotional, psychological, whatever, the scars that you bear, those are the marks of Jesus Christ. He ends this chapter um, with this verse uh, very end. And this is really the summary of the whole thing, isn't it? It's grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen.